Before you hear from Moses, um, I want to tell you what happened to me yesterday. Um, yesterday was one of those perfect fall New York City days that you like dream about. And so my family and I, we went out to Hudson River Park and we're enjoying the beautiful weather. And uh, we started to run into a number of people from LMCC, people we haven't seen in months. And every single one of them shared this similar experience that they've had over this time. Because, you know, when you interact with somebody you haven't seen in a while during this, you're like, how have you been? What did you do? How did you survive? What, what happened? All these things. But they each shared this mixed experience. Part of that experience of being challenged, being confronted, going through painful and difficult times. And yet, alongside of that, seeing God in new ways experiencing his presence, experiencing his love and his provision in such profound ways that they could celebrate, even in the midst of the pain, that God had met them there. And I have no doubt that you have the same story. And so as you hear from Moses of what God has done in his life through this, how God has met him in the middle of those challenges, my hope is that you would be stirred by the Holy Spirit to reflect on how God has met you, and that it would just overflow out of you in joy today, that our God is so great that he transcends all circumstances, that his goodness to you is everlasting and never-ending because of Jesus. And so for that to happen, I believe the Spirit needs to join with Moses' words, and so I want to pray for him and pray for you before you hear from him. So please pray with me. Father, we thank you that your goodness knows no bounds, that your love is steadfast and never failing. And today, as we hear of the goodness and the faithfulness of who you are in Moses' life, would you both bless him and seal that work in his life so that it would just continue to bear much fruit? And would you stir in each of us how you have done the same thing to us? so that the response would be a collective worship, a collective joy, a collective excitement of what you're going to do next. So God bless us as we hear testimonies of your greatness. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Give a warm LMCC welcome, shout at your screen to Moses. Good morning, church. It's so good to be back in this space and be with y'all. Uh, this morning, it has been so long since I've been in this space, and it's incredible to hear the band worship live. I am just so fired up after that, and, uh, and thank you, Logan, for that prayer. Um, God's been doing a lot in my life. When Logan asked me to share my testimony, I just started writing, and I like, couldn't stop writing for a while, and I'm going to read what I wrote, because it's just, uh, I don't want to miss any of the details. Um, what God's been doing in my life lately starts almost a year before COVID even hit in the spring of last year. Uh, I was just over a year into a new job, and things seemed to be going well. For example, we just launched our first two projects, and they ended up at number one and number two on the podcast charts. So that was exciting. But I was feeling pretty stagnant in my relationship with God. I had come to appreciate and love God, and I spent time with him regularly, but it had been kind of the same for a while. I hadn't been growing. I hadn't been deepening my understanding of who God is. It was very much just maintenance. And then at the 2019 All Church Retreat, I remember spending my time in solitude thinking about Daniel in the lion's den. I had been fascinated with Daniel because he's a great case study of a godly man who has phenomenal success 
in a secular career. And I remember rereading the story in Daniel 6. And the gist of it is that Daniel is so good as an administrator over Babylon that King Darius is thinking about just making him the overall prime minister above every other administrator uh, in Babylon. And the other guys hate this, and they want to destroy Daniel, and they say to themselves, you know, we're not going to find any fault with this guy unless it has to do with his God. So they manipulate Darius into signing a law and making it illegal to pray to anyone but King Darius. And what I love about Daniel is what it says in Daniel 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Daniel didn't go home and hide that he was praying. He didn't wait till the hubbub around the new law died down. You get the sense that Daniel was looking for a moment like this to prove whose side he was on. And he goes home, flings open his windows, and prays as he always has. That was really eye-opening for me because I had been fancying myself uh, Daniel in Babylon as a Christ follower working in the entertainment industry, which is about as Babylon as it gets. But I was such a far cry from Daniel. Daniel viewed relationship with God and holiness as the prize, and everything else was a distant second. So much so that he would gladly and unabashedly throw it all away for the chance to just prove he was on God's side. Me, I had come to view God as a means to what I truly wanted, status, admiration, significance. Even the fact that I wanted to be, quote-unquote, Daniel in Babylon betrayed what I really cared about, which was to glorify myself. So God put me in an ego reduction program, as Dane called it, when I spoke to him about it a few months ago. I found myself failing on all fronts in my life. I'll focus primarily on work, which just started going horribly. The downward, the downward spiral started in the late spring of last year. I had my monthly check-in with my boss, and it was awful. We were behind on every metric. I got dressed down, and I deserved it. Our progress was slow. I'm someone who prides myself in being able to negotiate, and I couldn't negotiate my way out of several bad situations. It was a complete mess. And then it got worse. More project delays over the summer, to the point where I was questioning whether it made any sense to be in the business we were in. At some point that summer, I had a last catch-up with Ryan before he left. And the intent was to talk about what was going on at church at the time. But we ended up talking about work. He said two things that stuck out to me. One was after I told him everything that was going on and how my group at work was behind in every single possible way, he was like, oh, you're going to get fired. The second was when I told him about the culture, which I recall saying, oh, it's a culture of mammon, but, you know, I don't see why I can't be the Daniel in Babylon there. And he was taken aback and was basically like, why are you minimizing that? What are you doing in a place that has a culture of abject greed? And pointing to the obvious, which is that it was foolish of me to think that being there wasn't compromising my walk with God. That was enough to make me realize something was really wrong, but not enough to change anything. So things continued to get worse on all fronts until I hit rock bottom about this time last year in September. I was completely depressed. I either wouldn't eat or I'd eat too much. I either couldn't sleep or couldn't get out of bed. So much so that Sherry had to call one of the guys in my community group and ask him to meet me for breakfast to see if he could shake me out of the funk I was in. And breakfast with him was helpful, but it didn't break the spell. Finally, one day I googled something like, what does the Bible say about depression? And found an article by John Piper on the subject. And in it, he quoted from a book by Martin Lloyd-Jones called Spiritual Depression. So I bought the book and devoured it. And it's a collection of 21 sermons that Lloyd-Jones gave where in each sermon he identifies a common cause of depression in Christians and gives the cure for it based on Scripture. 
and I could identify with several of the causes, and a few were particularly relevant for me. Lacking discipline in my walk with God, enduring chastening from him, learning to be content in any circumstance, seeing him as the only foundation of my hope and life and joy. Ultimately, what I had come to see was that I had let circumstances master me. I let myself get carried away by some small successes, and I had, become, and I had begun seeking circumstances that would result in my own glory rather than just seeking God. I was ruled by my circumstances, and so God had to chasten me. He had to get me to the point where I was desperate for him, and I was. So one night before bed, I said, you know what? This is it. Tomorrow morning, I'm waking up at 5.15. I'm going to listen to worship music. I'm going to read First Peter, and I'm going to pray. And every weekend, I'm going to have a game plan for how I'm going to spend time with God the following week. And you know what? It worked. Spending time with God took me out of that depression, but it also took me out of being tyrannized by my circumstances. I stopped letting what was happening in my life dictate whether I had joy, and I started rooting my joy, my hope, everything in Christ. I felt myself entering a new phase of maturity where God wanted to strip aside everything that had been allowed to remain, all the weights that I hadn't laid aside, all the sinful dispositions that he wanted me to be rid of, he showed me all the modes of thinking that I had adopted that weren't from him throughout my life, and that were preventing real relationship with him. And he showed me what he thinks about those things, what his word says about those things. And he started rooting them out one by one. Usually the next part of the story is that everything got better once I learned the lesson, but it didn't. I still had to learn it by experience, so things at work got worse. Nearly every month, something that should be devastating would happen. In November, we decided on a restructuring plan that would see us lay off half of my team in January. In February, an article came out in the trade press that made me look really, really bad. And then in March, one of my critical team members quit. But I was able to not sink down again knowing that he was doing something in me. That he cared more about who he was fashioning me into than about my circumstances. He cared more about making me someone who could be completely satisfied in him than he cared about what was happening at my job. And so through all these setbacks and challenges, I was able to stay joyful. And then COVID hit. And COVID was particularly devastating for my company. It created even more scrutiny around the, the reset in our business, and it was rough. But as my relationship with God got stronger and stronger, I became more and more solid. I could do what I knew I was supposed to do and leave the outcome to him. And the outcome rarely went my way. But I knew God was pleased. But it was still really, really frustrating. So much so that one Sunday night before the work week started, Sherry, my wife, turned to me and said something like, man, I can see how frustrating this job is. And I agree with you that God wants you there for now, but man, I really hope you don't have to bear this too much longer. And then later that week, on one of our morning walks, I said to her, you know, this is usually about the cycle, about the time when God does something crazy in my career. A week later, I got fired. Two hours before I got fired, I was in my time with God in the morning, and I got to the part where I was praying about work, and I started journaling, God, please preserve my job. And then I stopped myself abruptly, and I wrote, you know what, God, I can't honestly pray that. But whatever you do, I just want to be faithful. An hour later, I got a text from our head of HR asking if I could jump on a video call, and on that call, they let me go. After that, told my wife what happened, texted a few of the guys for my Bible study, and then I went, from a walk, went for a walk. When I came back from that walk, the peace of God was all over me. I heard him tell me he was pleased with me, proud of me even, for completing the course he had put before me, for getting through his ego reduction program. That was April 23rd, 
And that kicked off an amazing summer of the next phase of God's program for me, restoration. Rest and recreation was a big part of that. I saw countless sunrises at the beach in Cape Cod and experienced God's magnificence in creation. I went on long walks with my wife most days, more time than we had spent together in, in our marriage up until that point because of COVID. I spent two months in Georgia and got to meet my niece a few weeks after she was born. I read lots of fantasy novels, as my wife calls them, my hobbit books. I learned to play the ukulele. But most importantly, God used this time to give me a real vision of who he's making me to be. It's just been him and me with no distractions, and he's been showing me glimpses of the really good plans he has for me in his kingdom. He's given me just a taste, getting to lead devotionals and Bible studies, participating in book studies, having weekly calls to share the gospel with friends of friends who don't know Christ, being part of our amazing prayer team, and it's been glorious. And I found myself living in freedom, no longer having the state of my life determined by my circumstances. Instead, I'm focused on glorifying God and being satisfied completely in him. Ultimately, God does care more about us than our circumstances, so I'll close with this. After Daniel was rescued from the lion's den, Darius issued a new law. Instead of people being required to worship Darius, he issued a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever, and his kingdom will never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers, he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth, for he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And then it goes on to say, in one almost throwaway verse, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel prospered, but it's an afterthought for him because God's glory came first. Here's the afterthought for me. Without me doing anything to find it, God brought me a job last month that's better in every single dimension than my previous gig. The people, the mission, the title, the pay, the list goes on and on, but I really do mean that it's an afterthought. It's so secondary. And I think it's important to share it because it just shows how lavish God's goodness is. Once you get to the point where he's all you care about, and he can't help but prosper you, he's that good. You seek him and his righteousness first, and he adds everything else because he gets the glory. And that's what you care about, so much so that the blessings are just an afterthought. That's what God's been doing with me, and it's been so awesome, because he's so awesome. Let's pray. God, you are so, so good. You've been so good to me uh, this last year, and I just can't help but fall at your feet and call you Lord and Savior and give you all the glory. There's none like you. There's none besides you. There's none before you. And I just thank you, God. And I know I'm not the only one. I know there are others of us who have these testimonies of you showing up in the challenges, of you showing us that your goodness is bigger than our circumstances, that you are bigger than our circumstances. So God, I just pray that you continue to remind people of how good you are. Continue to remind me of how good you are. 
We see your goodness in Christ who died for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Man, I'm so thankful to Moses that he'd be willing to kind of pull back the curtain, right? That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you and I don't have to hide those things that we would rather not talk about. But that because of the power of God, we can see him make beautiful what for most of us is really painful. And so my question to you today is, what is your story? What's your story? And what could it be if it was just surrendered up to Jesus? If you, like Moses did, just invited him every day to take over, to transform it, to create a new testimony. That's our hope as a church. And we believe that God is just getting started in so many of your lives. And we're excited about what's to come next. So right after our service, we'll probably get the meeting started right at 1130. We're going to be on Zoom. And we're going to be talking about not only what is it like for us to reopen, but what is God wanting to do this fall in the life of our church? And how can you be a part of it? So we look forward to you joining us here in a moment. As we close our service today, I really felt led to read a couple verses. And I want to read them as a prayer for you that you could be able to say, as Paul said here in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 to 39. Actually, I'll start in verse 37. My hope is that you can say this about your life in Jesus. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May that be your declaration this week. Go in peace, church. See you.